So how do I say this? Uh, with the exception of Kyle, we've all gotten older. <laughs> You're older, I'm older, he's younger. Five and a half years ago, when Susan and I moved to Lexington, we were excited to be beginning uh, ministry at Good Shepherd in Lexington. And it wasn't until we got here that we realized every weekend they were planning to be in Asheville. And um, they were gone every weekend to Asheville. And we had moved to Lexington to be with them, and they were coming here to be with you. And um, they would ask for, for places to eat. And I would think, I'm not about to tell you where to eat in Asheville. You can Google that. And, um, but I always told them where to worship and always invited them to join you in worship. And they always came back and they always um, were fed by the worship of this place, by the preaching and the music and the hospitality. Uh, and I'm grateful for you. Uh, Susan and I are making uh, a new life soon in Knoxville, and we have enjoyed our life in Lexington, uh, but in many ways, this place will always be home, and we are grateful for you. Location, location, location. It is crucial to know that St. Paul is writing to the believers in Philippi from a prison cell. Without knowing that, how we hear these words of St. John, excuse me, of St. Paul would change drastically. If he were writing this letter and was a free man, writing from a safe and warm room and a nice chair, his words might sound naive and a little bit too pious and too sure. Talk of rejoicing and calls not to worry if offered from a safe place could be easily dismissed or even considered offensive. But he's being held against his will. He's in prison, isolated from the believers who have given him so much joy in Philippi. Prisons are sobering places where easy plans and sacred cliches are crushed by walls and locks and chains that keep you so far from freedom. So realizing he is writing from a prison, St. Paul has earned a right to be heard both by the Philippians and by us. If you are need to be encouraged, if you need to have a better sense of how to live this way of Jesus kind of life, then the hard-won faith of a prisoner can teach you and me. We're hearing the later portion of St. Paul's letter. If you have read the earlier portions of this epistle, you know the Philippians are a people quite dear to the apostle. Unlike other letters addressed to New Testament communities, Paul is not having to write out of anger or disappointment or having to defend himself to some community. If he ever, ever wrote a love letter, he wrote it to the church in Philippi. But even in Philippi, a place marked by love, conflict can exist. Not only is conflict possible in loving communities, it's inevitable. If more than one person is present in a community, then at some point there will be conflict. To be honest, if you're all by yourself long enough, (laughs) 
Amen? If you're by yourself long enough, your own interior life will create a conflict inside of you. Conflict lets you know you are alive. So St. Paul reminds the Philippians that they are alive and that they are real and that a conflict is present even in the midst of all their health. Not only does he acknowledge the presence of conflict, he gives the conflict a name, actually two names, Eodia and Syntyche. You've got to figure in Philippi, there's probably only one Eodia and one Syntyche. <laughs> Is that Eodia Smith or Eodia Jones? Even though he is in prison, St. Paul is aware that there has been a falling out between these two women. These two women are in conflict, and they were so important to him. They had been such an important part of the work of the gospel on his behalf. And now St. Paul lets the community in Philippi know that the next word to be done for the good of the gospel is for these two women to be of the same mind. Until they are reconciled, the gospel proclaimed by Iodia and Syntyche will ring hollow. Notice what's going on here. The prisoner, the one who is not free, is speaking to the two women who are free and inviting them to be reconciled again. I don't know about you, but when I am free, free to go to and fro as I please, I'm also free to avoid things. We can make up stories and go out of our way to avoid any talk of the conflict in our midst. We can pretend we are one simply by believing we are one, and we will not mention that thing we won't mention, right? Have you ever been to a Thanksgiving meal before at anyone's house? St. Paul, however, from a prison cell, has no time for pretending, for avoiding the reality that there is a conflict in a community that he loves, and it involves two people who mean so much to him. So from that prison cell, he names the conflict, he names the people, he tells the truth, and he tells the community, I believe you can be reconciled again. Several years ago, when I was on the staff here at All Souls, I received a call from a young man recently moved to Asheville, and he wanted to visit. I'd been at All Souls long enough by that point to sort of know the drill on the young person moved to Asheville, wants to visit, visit. In my mind, this is how it was going to go. He would tell me he had always wanted to live in Asheville. Since those boyhood camping days and Vespers, he was on a spiritual quest, and now he was in Asheville, and all he needed to do now was to find a job. <laughs> Yikes. But it didn't go that way. Everything else went that way, but he already had a job. He'd been sent here by an evangelical organization to plant a church, and he wanted to interview me to ask questions about Asheville, to learn about the community, the heartbeat, the hungers, the dreams. And he wanted your mailing addresses. <laughs> but 
Before we concluded our time together, he asked if he could show me the website for his church. Now, this was a time at All Souls when we were redoing the website, and we were eager to look at any website. We would cross the street to look at church websites, and he was in my office, and can I show you a website? Yes, you can show me your website. It was the best church website I had ever seen. It was the best website I had ever seen. It opened to a photograph. There was this, this photograph of like a Bible and a puppy. And <laughs> then, it, then it like disappeared and there were these words about Jesus and the word and connection and community. And then the words disappeared and then there was another photograph and there were people and diverse in age and race and gender and there were Frisbees and they were laughing. <laughs> And the website was so easily, easily navigable, and you could find how to be connected easily, and there were frisbees, and they were laughing. <laughs> and it wasn't real. You recall he had come here to plant a church. He hadn't started yet, but boy, he had a website. I wanted to skip church from here. <laughs> Todd, I'm, I'm not going to be able to be in there today because I'm going to this website church. <laughs> but the church didn't exist. But he had a website. The church where all is well and there are frisbees and laughing is possible as long as you never get past the website stage. But as soon as you let people show up, to actual places. Before you know it, Eodia and Syntyche aren't speaking anymore. We can so easily mistake a desire to live in perfect church bliss with true joy. But that isn't joy. That is make-believe. Joy comes with endurance, with abiding, with living together, and when we disagree or disappoint, then committing to being of one mind again and experiencing the return of a reconciled, healed relationship of restored common life found in the Christ. That is joy. That is good news. That is the resurrected, reconciled life. When we splinter and divide, when we split and we split, the Spirit is not doing a new thing. The Spirit is grieving. The only person doing a new thing when we split and divide are the people who sell the quick signs and the business cards and the websites. And all souls, I am aware that this is the conclusion of the stewardship in gathering. When Todd asked me to preach, he asked if I would be the closer today for stewardship. <laughs> Today, you all conclude this time of renewing a commitment to this great place. And one of the ways you renew that commitment is through a pledge. Now, I don't know what you think you're pledging to, but you're not pledging to the hope that next year All Souls is going to be perfect and that there will be more Frisbees and even better website. I hope you realize you're making a pledge you're making a pledge to the hope that all souls will continue to be a real place, a real Eucharistic community. If it is real, 
then it will include those moments when Eodi is sitting over here and Syntyche is in the other transept. And yet they remain gathered around the same altar where the same bread is broken as a witness that the body of Jesus has been broken. And when Jesus shows us his wounds and his brokenness, we have the courage and the grace and the vulnerability to show our own brokenness and we are fed. The imprisoned apostle goes on to invite the community to rejoice. They are to rejoice because the Lord is near. And because the Lord is near, they do not have to worry. Instead, he invites them to pray. From this posture of prayer, St. Paul promises that a peace will abide with them in their hearts and in their minds. Notice again what is happening. The one who is not free is teaching us how to be free. You and I are free, and yet we are anxious about many things. I'm about to be anxious about all of eastern Tennessee. <laughs> Have you driven through eastern Tennessee? <laughs> There's a, watch it. There's a lot of beauty. <laughs> There's a lot of beauty. There's a lot of wonder. But there are people there who are anxious and who are worried. And maybe they're anxious and worried that I'm about to be their bishop. <laughs> but the prisoner, the one who is in that cell of anxiety and fear, has somehow slipped those locks, loosed those chains, and he is living in that cell, and he is free. He has somehow discovered a way to go inside and not to be lost. Location location, location. You all are a fortunate people. You belong to a great cathedral. It's a place committed to nurturing what is true and honorable and just and pure and pleasing and excellent and worthy of praise. And in this time in our country's history, those are endangered attributes. So the church has an opportunity to rise up and to be the church and to live as if we have been reconciled, not because of our own power, not because of our own hubris, but because God through Christ Jesus was willing to be humble and broken and to reign from a cross and to reconcile us to God. So Eodia and Syntyche, the next move is yours. God has already acted on your behalf. Live joyfully in response to what God has already done. Be of one mind, imperfect and broken, redeemed and real. Commit to being one. Amen.